0: Welcome to the podcast, Eye for Talent, the show where we've got an eye for talent, and also the show where I scour the internet and also my local scene far and wide, trying to find people who do cool shit, who make cool shit, who consume cool shit, or, or who are cool shit. Well, I really got to that one in one take. Uh, I'm your host, Dylan, aka DJ Serial Sauce. I'm a YouTube content creator, Twitch streamer, producer, writer, occasionally sometimes voice actor, trying to get into it a little bit. Um, I don't know. I do like a lot of editing. I'm like a part of a stream team of people. Um, check all the links if you give a shit um but this episode's not about me this is about av.punk.801 which is their instagram tag aka robin just like the bird but it's spelled with a y because welcome to utah i guess where people think that you can be creative by replacing the i's in your kids name with a y so uh what's up robin how you doing <laughs>
1: I had to mute myself (laughs) when you made the Utah joke. Oh, you just went straight for the low-hanging fruit. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I am doing absolutely lovely. Thank you for having me.
0: Hell yeah. No, that's good to hear. We had a little bit of a talk before this. You're having some fun doing some... I can really only describe it as camera-related work because I am dumb as hell and don't really know much about camera work. But I mentioned camera work because... Oh, God, Jesus. Robin does a lot of things. Uh, They're they're a documentary photographer. They're a musician in the local Salt Lake scene, which you've probably heard a few times is a scene I also operate in. Not in that regard. It doesn't matter. Um, But they also are an interviewer. They interview local bands in the area. Uh, They play bass in a hardcore band that we might end up getting into the weeds about a little bit later. Uh, They also run their own small business, which, as far as I can tell, is also kind of revolving around their own um, photography skills and whatnot. So, I mean... Damn. I don't, this is, I mean, the first question I have really just to kind of start breaking the ice and and breaking everything down before I actually get into the official written ones is like, how, how do you just, how do you get into all of these things and like, why, what is so interesting about them to you?
1: So a, a lot of what I do in the scene, cause I, I started out as just a passive concert goer when I was about 12. Um, a lot of that was, Familial issues I didn't want to be around. So I would catch trains up into Salt Lake City when nobody was paying attention. And I would go to these just local concerts that, you know, a 12 year old mowing lawns can afford to get into, which is going to be your local punk and metal stuff. You know, it's 10, 15 bucks the door. But from there, I ran into a lot of people that knew a lot of these things about these bands. I realized how much I really truly do love music and how much it means to me. So I initially decided I want to be a part of this in some way. Tried and failed with a couple bands before realizing, hey, cameras are like really fun and there's not a lot of photographers around here. I can carve a bit of a niche. And then like right as I started doing it, about four other people got the same idea. So we've all been kind of maturing within the scene together. Um, (laughs) Starting up with a new band now, that is going quite well. But um, no, it's just it's always been a fixation of mine between, you know, home audiovisual. I have a whole hi-fi rack in my bedroom that I've spent way too much on. But um, audio-visual anything has always been pretty interesting to me just in the way that my brain works as his music. And I figured, why not try to combine them to the best of my ability? Yeah, I
0: mean, that's those two things. I guess the the interesting thing about that is to me, because because your mindset on it was basically like, there are not a lot of people doing this portion of this. That's something that I'd be down to get into. But I'm trying to sort of figure out Where did you, I guess, get exposed to like video and camera, you know, photography as a medium to then realize this is a medium that not a lot of people are getting into to to then try and take a stab at it for yourself? Like, where did that come from?
1: Um, A lot of that actually came from growing up with my father working in construction. He was one of the first people out onto the uh, BP Horizon oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. So we didn't have a lot of money at the time. So we never had like nice digital cameras. We always had these crummy little point and shoot cameras that you get at like, you know, Walgreens or whatever. They're like three bucks <laughs> yeah. at the time. God, they're so expensive. It's like, 20 bucks a pop. Now it sucks. Film is expensive. But uh, I, we always, we always had those floating around and my mother would get super pissed at me for wasting film in them. And at one point she gave me one to like an empty one that the lab sent back to play with. Um, not realizing that the flash capacitor was still charged. And I like, went to take the thing apart, and it looked so cool on the inside, and I wanted to know how everything worked, and then I almost blew my hand up. But ever since then, it has been a lot of me paying attention to photography stuff and taking a lot of photos when I got my first phone. Almost the entire SD card was photos. It's just, the only way I can describe it is I was fortunate enough to grow up still kind of in the era of not as easily accessible photography mediums if that makes sense just because it gave me more of a look at like what the adults would be using you know oh i I always wanted to be grown up oh okay that's that's, it's it's really weird and i can't even figure out the reasoning in my head but it's just (laughs) at some point something interested me especially with the visual side of things the audio You know, came later from stealing my dad's CDs and staying up super late at night listening to those and wanting to, like, recreate the way certain songs made me feel the first time I listened to them. And so I really just never stopped listening to music from there. And that's where the audio side of all of that comes from. It's just there's there's no better feeling in the world than finding new music that you really like. I firmly believe that.
0: Oh yeah, no, definitely. Um, There's there's a couple of interesting things that I just took away from that. The first thing being that it seems like you also I, I, I I don't think I can in good faith say that you're like a mechanics nerd, but it sounds like you are also at least minorly obsessed with like the inner working components of a heavily mechanical um, object, like one that isn't just like a bunch of wires and circuit boards and shit, like put together. I suppose.
1: Yeah um that mostly spawned off of initially just kind of wanting to know how the thing worked because i was a kid didn't know how the world worked yeah and then later when i started getting into home audio visual and home hi-fi entertainment a lot of the components i wanted i could never find working for less than way more than i was willing to spend so i'd have to buy a broken one figure out what was wrong with it and fix it from there so a lot of that like fascination with the inner workings of all of this did just kind of breed from necessity really
0: yeah you're like it's npr going npr voice like i see that you're really obsessed with the inner workings of mechanical objects why is that yeah i'm poor
1: (laughs) yeah i'm poor (laughs) oh god don't even talk to me about it i went, i went from one camera to 15 cameras in like four months that
0: was jesus Christ. okay that was fast the evolution (laughs) so there was that that i noticed but then the other thing is like uh, you seem like you're i mean I don't know what the age gap is, and frankly, I don't really care. If it comes up, it comes up. But like you seem a lot you seem like you were a lot smarter at that age than I would have been at that age. Because I listened to music and I was like, this music makes me feel a certain way, so I would just keep listening to it. And it was only when I turned 19 when I was like, all right, now how can I replicate that feeling by making music that I want that just does the same thing. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, so that that whole I want this music, I want I want to feel the way I felt when I heard this first song before was very much birthed at a kind of not so great time. Again, my my father was off in the Gulf of Mexico. I was, you know, at home dealing with all that, dealing with school very young. I never actually had an ADHD or autism diagnosis. Yeah. So back in those oh. days they didn't really have them like that. Yeah. It was it was all it was it was never like, oh yes, we understand, here's how we can help you, it was, why the hell are you doing this? Stop that and be normal, you little shit, you know? Yeah. Like, why are you blue? <laughs> yeah, I are blue. But, um, it was, it was very much like that was one of the only stable, kind of feel good things for me, so it's it's very much not like an intellectual thing, it was more or less just a chemical imbalance that I was trying to resolve.
0: Yeah, no, I I kind of I was picturing that whole thing after I said that. And then I was realizing, I was like, actually, yeah, that would make sense. Like if, if music is your escape from things, then you would reasonably want to try and just replicate whatever gives you the good feeling when everything is giving you the bad feeling. Um,
1: Yeah. There, there have been periods in my time in my life where I wake up, put on a pair of headphones and they do not come off my head and do not stop playing music until I go to sleep. You know, music has definitely always been an anchor for me. Yeah, it does that for a lot of people. It's just its just so It really good. does, and I love that. <laughs> well, music is one of, like, what, four things that every civilization has managed to independently figure out and master?
0: Yeah, and one of those, like, like think, art forms that we can all agree on that are yeah. good.
1: But no, that's, that's my draw to music, is, like, think about it here. Every civilization in the world, no matter where you, there are still uncontacted, isolated tribes that we know have some sort of music right every civilization has music every civilization has cheese they have beer and they have killing people i don't <laughs> like that last one cheese and beer are pretty good but music is very accessible to anyone at any age especially now it is everyone says oh math is the human language right like all the philosophical science types it's music music is the only true human language because whether it is for ritual or for worship or just for entertainment, like it is predominantly now music is something humans have always had and likely will always have. And I truly find that just beautiful.
0: Yeah. And this, this there's like discussions that I've had with people that are artists and the kind of a similar conversation has come up. Granted that came from a slightly less feel good place of like, um, Because there's a whole thing. People are like, AI is taking over everything. It's not. AI is not very good. It's not as good as you think it is. It's not taking over art, and it's not taking over music, especially because people will always have an obsession with wanting to do something to contribute to the arts, whether it be by accident, whether it be for necessity, whether it be for entertainment, whether it be for worship, whether it be for, you know, literally the infinite number of reasons why music exists within a culture. So, yeah, shouts out to the... It's like Hold on. There was a thing that I saw once. I I I'm going to have to paraphrase it because I don't remember the exact whole thing of it, but it's like the the arts are obviously what give life context. because that's kind of obviously the biggest way that you're going to be able to fully understand. I I like
1: that. quote. I'm stealing that quote.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there's like a more philosophical rendition of it that actually is like more detailed. The whole it like it comes up because the food podcast that I listen to is like the meats, the grains, the vegetables are meant to keep you alive. The spices and the sauces are what make the food worth eating. And it's like derivative of that. Like language is the way in which we tell our stories, but the stories and the art and music that surround it are what give it meaning and context.
1: Yeah. No, straight up. That's very much better, like shorter and quicker than I said it, But yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're, you're more I apologize in advance. I tend to be quite long-winded.
0: Yeah, it's fine. We're all long-winded here. I think that's kind of the point. It just kind of happens by accident.
1: <laughs> but you get into a good conversation, it just takes you
0: away. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, t- I typically warn people. I'm like, hey, these this this conversation is only estimated to last an hour and fifteen. So that's the that's the time that I kind of mandatorily require that you cut out. And then most of the time they're like, well, I have two hours and I'm like, all right, cool. And then I'll have conversations that go over two hours long because it's just like, because nothing is forced. And it's just like, you're just going back and forth until, until somebody decides they should probably get back to doing adulting things and, and cuts the mic (laughs) or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But. So, if I move on here, um th- this question is basically just derivative of the first question that I asked you, except it's kind of mostly it- it's kind of more surrounding the other parts of what you've done that aren't that aren't photography and well, I guess everything here is kind of photography and music based, but I'm I'm kind of wondering like what other stories do you have for how you got started in the mediums about being in your own band, running your own business, interviewing local bands and whatnot. And how do those like interconnect and feed into the other things we've talked about and that you do. And like, did one of them get you into another one to get you into another one? Like what's the kind of, what's the train that got you from point a of finding the first thing that you're into to now.
1: I mean honestly point A is probably you know starting off with going to concerts when I was really young and really enjoying that um and from there that then evolved into you know finding getting some of my friends together and like hey we all kind of like this music and can kind of play these instruments sorta let's just dick around in the garage for an hour see what see if we do anything fun <laughs> and I'm you know everybody you know for like 13 14 year olds trying to write you know, loud, angry, message-filled punk rock. It's it's not going to sound good, and it wasn't. But we got one gig with that project, and it was a backyard birthday party to five people not counting um, ourselves, right? And, like, that feeling of being up there and playing, even if it was the worst songs you've ever heard, was like, oh, I want to do this forever now. So then when I went to shows, I would start, you know, curging up and talking to the musicians that played after their set, like, hey, that was really good. How did you do, you know, like that weird, like space siren effect? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's a Digitech whammy, you know, like, and it was talking to them made me realize, like, everyone here has, like, this. Story or something about some part of their music or their gear and they're just fun people to talk to so I, so I started just talking to more bands and eventually made friends with, he's in the local scene am I allowed to plug somebody else's Instagram here as well? I think anybody who you um, think
0: is appropriate to plug should be plugged
1: <laughs> no, I, I met my buddy Hunter, um, it's at tempura supply co, like the sushi supply co, c-o dot, on Instagram um he makes these little like stickers for all the local punk and metal bands and sometimes other stuff too he's been doing like a few rap shows and done stickers for those but he was a documentarian within the scene already and he would you know make these stickers and he would record a ton of video and post it online and like i i found that really cool because like i look back on you know my, my favorite bands in the world are bad religion rancid and no fx And a lot of that solely comes down to waiting for YouTube to load, to watch one video from before I was born of these bands playing my favorite song, you know, and without people like Hunter and now myself, that kind of stuff wouldn't be happening. You know, it would just, it would have all fallen into the history books at this point. And I, I really thought that that was something that I wanted to do and I wanted to contribute to. And in the end, that thinking has appeared to be right <laughs> but um from there i kind of you know picked back up into photography and grabbed myself my my trusty little canon off of ebay and i just started taking photos at shows and talking to the bands and they were all loving it and i've started doing actual proper interviews with bands now writing that down and am in the process of compiling and publishing the first issue of a local zine hopefully soon maybe Sounds like an
0: exciting time for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a really wild like six years.
0: God, Jesus, Jesus Christ! All right, you've committed longer to this than I think I've been. Well, hold
1: on, you've committed longer. I this committed longer, than longer than I've been to this than, than the Confederacy lasted. God, God damn it! Like mathematically, <laughs> longer than the Confederacy lasted is how long I've been out here like actively engaging with the scene. <laughs> I just Dude, always find that. Funny. I fucking
0: love those memes. There was a thing that I saw recently where they were like. I don't even remember what it was. I swear to God, it was like, <clears throat> I feel like it was like some law getting overturned or something happening that was like a, a relatively big point in like niche internet communities. And they were like, guys, this is finally over or this has been finally accomplished. And you know what that means? It means that it still lasted longer the Confeder- than the Confederacy. And I'm like, we're still on this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> My favorite fact in the world is that, do you so the Taco Bell the Crunchwrap Supreme has been a permanent menu item longer than the Confederacy. Yes. Not only that, though, you know that, like, Dorito taco they the had Dorito, Yeah, ago? the Doritos Locos taco is now older than the Confederacy. <laughs> That's I love that. That lasted longer than the Confederacy, and that was supposed to be a limited item. Let's go. <laughs> I love it so much. But yeah, no, I, I do agree. I have put far, far more time in my life into this than I realized, and... Honestly, I feel like it's been worth it. Yeah.
0: I mean, as long as it makes you happy, it's worth it. And as long as you're not in like a crippling debt or something. <laughs> Uh-oh. I don't like that.
1: <laughs> like it's- I said, one camera and 15.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, oh, boy. Yeah, I'm, it'll come up somewhere. I'm sure of it. Uh It will
1: eventually. Eventually.
0: This has also made me realize I was pronouncing "zine" wrong. I was I was calling it a "zine" when I was talking to my friend, and
1: a lot of people do that. It is it is just an abbreviation uh, of magazine. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. um, But it it has been a pretty consistent and running tradition in punk scenes, like as far back as the '80s. You would you know, and it a lot of it spawned out of early hardcore. Um, a lot of the New York emo core scene started this as well, but it was just, it was how you found out about shows back then. Well, yeah. right. Cause like this, this was at a time where like punk wasn't as scary as it was in the seventies. Cause it was new. It was now scary because it had kind of a violent reputation. So like, if you would pop up a flyer in the library, some disgruntled mother would see punk rock show. Can't have that in my town and tear it down. Oh yeah, exactly. So they started, They started putting these flyers, you know, they would print them on wide paper, half sheet, half sheet, and they would just fold it up, staple it together and just hand them out to people just all over the place because it was so much quicker to distribute all of that than it was to go find a board, grab the flyer and a stapler, put it up, walk three blocks down the street. You could just have a stack of these in a messenger bag and just anybody you run into, hey, check this out. Hey, check this out. Yeah. And from there, you know, they started evolving into what they are now, which is like interviews with bands, local artists, showcases, um, Slug, if you know, because I know you're from Utah. If you know Slug Mag, um, the Salt sort of Lake underground magazine, the yeah. free one that you can get at like the pie or whatever, that started off as an underground music scene.
0: Yeah, it's actually, I'm glad you mentioned that you because know, uh, I think, I swear to God, I think one of my friend's band might have been in here for the one song that they have nice i'm going right now Uh, yes they are on here let's go (laughs) yo shouts out to shouts out to my friend paulo and his friends uh because i've i'm stupid and forgotten their names they're part of a band called stardance riot which i think they might be trying to change their name because i feel like one one moment they like it and then the next they don't and then the next they do and then the next they don't
1: The eternal The eternal.
0: (laughs) so i Oh yeah, so this was—it was a local music singles roundup, and uh, and they were one of six that were published in this specific issue, for the one song that they've made,
1: Wizard. I love that. Go you guys. Yeah, they're doing good I, things. I see you guys, I'll listen to that one song when we're done here. Yeah, I was gonna say you probably should. Sure.
0: I think they've technically been described as indie, but I'm like, I, I'm I'm I feel like I'm more of a modernist when it comes to music because I'm into like, well, because I'm into like newer like. Eh, uh, I shouldn't call it newer school hip hop cuz I feel like somehow that's going to get a bad reputation newer school hip hop lo-fi um like some electronic stuff but then a lot of the music I listen to it, a lot of music I listen to is also from the early 2000s so I don't really know if they're indie but I was like ultimately I think it's something that you still might enjoy so um yeah shout oh, out to the Oh dude them. no I
1: I will go from like a beat down hardcore show one night to like some shoegazy thing two days later to some like jazz show in a garage the next week. <laughs> yeah. My music changed. T- like at one point before I sold the record, and I'm still pissed I did, I had um, Capital Decapitation's first album next to Super Trooper by ABBA on my record shelf. They were literally cover to cover with each other on that record shelf for almost a month before I realized I put ABBA in the wrong spot. and then i and then i sold the cattle decap record so pissed yeah god damn it why did i uh, (laughs) i strapped for cat happens but uh but either way you were talking about slug mag yeah no like that that started out as a zine. you know it's it's been a long-running thing there's a few in salt lake whose names currently evade me but um a lot of those focus more on like diy subculture um Like, oh, yeah, here's how you can sew, like, here's, like, a really good sturdy stitch to use. Or, like, hey, out of thread, here's five different alternatives that you can use for a minute. You know, or just, like, how to refashion old clothes. A lot of it is very much within, like, the more DIY and fashion space of the scene. What I am going for with The Art of Being a Public Nuisance, which will be the name of the scene. It's a fucking hilarious name. (laughs) It's a quote I stole from Tim Armstrong of Rancid. I'm going to make that perfectly clear. Tim at one point in like 2008 or something on an interview says, quote, I've mastered the art of being a public nuisance. And honestly, I'm stealing that line because it's perfect. So hi, Tim Armstrong. I love you.
0: Yeah, there's no uh, one's original. Don't let them lie to you. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Don't let them lie to you. But no, um, it's, it's very much going to focus more on talking with the bands, talking about the music, reviewing shows. That kind
0: of stuff hell yeah dude as a person who doesn't like read things of that caliber very frequently I, I don't know why I think I think what it is is just that like I'm not really in the scene of like I, I just don't I don't involve myself with things that would probably have a zine made out of them, not for any particular reason
1: it's just I don't happen to exist in there um I'd you know sure what I don't. no no go out of your way go out of your way to find a scene you're in and make a zine for it <laughs> you know like Get people involved. That's what I've always loved about punk is so many other like fandoms and cultures are so content to just kind of sit back and let things happen. You know, there's, there's, um, you know, this isn't calling anybody out, but there's like, there's so many scenes out there that just have like almost no audience engagement. And it's kind of sad when then you'll go to a punk show and you'll see like the whole room, like running in circles and everything. You know, and talking to each other about something they all enjoy. I never understood, like, the hesitancy of, oh, that's not your favorite song by this K-pop band? We can't be friends anymore. Yeah, there's, definitely, there's definitely
0: some toxicity in certain cultures of, of groups. My, my girlfriend is into K-pop quite yeah, a lot, and she can acknowledge that that happens a lot.
1: Um, no, so. as an aside, that is not to say that does not happen in punk, hardcore, and metal. It absolutely does. Yeah. There is a lot of scene drama that I refuse to talk about. on
0: Yeah, no, no group is without its I fault. It's going to happen.
1: Yeah, it's when you get a lot of people together, it's bound to. But like, yeah. no, like, and to anybody listening, if you think there should be a zine for the subculture you're in somewhere for people to like talk about and express this love that we all share for the same thing, make it happen, you know? Yeah. Like involvement with your scene can be incredibly fulfilling.
0: Yeah, and there's probably a pretty good chunk of people who like don't well, how do I explain this? For as many people as there are who think that there should be some kind of like collective place where you can just see news and interesting things about about a scene, a genre, a whatever in a zine format, there are five times as many people who wish that there was something like that but don't know what a zine is or zine equivalent something or other
1: like you could you could totally carve your na- a name for yourself in any scene just by like you, you don't you don't even need to be like a good graphic designer you just need like Microsoft Word or something and just like take it to um Staples have them print out 20 copies and just hand them to some friends oh, it's yeah, like man. hey I I made this it's something to talk about if you know anybody who would be interested I can get them a copy yeah you know it's just i Human connection is a very important thing. Like, it's humans need this. It's been proven. Well, you know? yeah.
0: We live in a society.
1: Yeah, we, we live in a society. Like, why why not connect with a bunch of people that you know you can hold, like, a really good, steady conversation with about something you both love? It's fun. Even better, go out and talk to people who like things different than you. Yeah. And just, Elitism isn't cute, honey. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, honestly, as I wouldn't even know. Like, there's already like y- you've already convinced me, and I don't even really know even like an ounce of what the hell you're talking about on like a technical level. But I'm not opposed. But I'm also so goddamn busy with so many things that like I I don't even know if I Oh yeah, no, don't do don't
1: kill yourself for your part. Don't like kill like yourself truthfully, I
0: can I can level with you here, because I'm sure I've leveled with other people here just to kind of get the point across. I work in I work an eight to five job Monday through Friday. I stream four times a week for a few hours a day. I manage three YouTube channels, two podcasts, and make my own music. You think I have time to make a goddamn zine? <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: like that also does track. Yeah, there are Unfortunately, I have like nothing going on, so I have a lot of free time. <laughs>
0: yeah, but that's also like um.
1: Well, that's also why I grabbed a camera was to kill free time. Yeah, no, that makes
0: sense. It's like um, that's like at my job, like I work an eight to five job, but I'm so good at what I do that I have so much free time that I can afford to offset some of my time outside of work, um, to do the things like uh, me and my friends. We have a YouTube video that should be coming out tomorrow, and it wasn't even like it hasn't even been compiled yet, uh, and so. I, I spent like three hours today at my job while I had nothing to do and just compiled a 15 minute video. And it's like, I feel like it's pretty good. And so now I just have to send it over to my friend to have him subtitle it. So it's like, I can make time in other places there. But all that's to be said is I respect the audacity to to go and make something like that. Because especially if you're operating within a scene, like you are like the perfect fucking person to, to make a zine because of the skills that you have, the interests you have, the connections you have, and the scene you operate in. Like it's so freaking perfect.
1: My ego. <laughs>
0: Everybody needs an ego <laughs> boost. God damn it. Um,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but
1: oh, let's see.
0: Um. Oh yeah. So um, I I I had this question in black and white instead of white, or I have this question in white and black instead of black and white. So I was confused. I was like, what is this? Um. This is my favorite question that I have to ask people. Um. In your case, how frugal are you when it comes to buying things in the pursuit of your hobby? Or I guess in this case, partially at least your business.
1: Yeah, so because as, as you said, there are two different ends to that there. And to clarify for anybody listening, I am not only a documentary photographer um, specializing in you know live music. I am also a contract photographer. I do portrait work. Um, sometimes people will pay me to do my documentary work, which is nice when that happens. But um, if I know I'm going to be using it for work, like my primary camera right now is a 1974 Canon AE1, right? Like I went through everything I needed for that, made sure everything worked. I bought it off eBay, right? But then I went through (laughs) and meticulously like poked, prodded, cleaned, checked, tested, you know, all, all of that. I bought new glass for it, so I knew I had a good quality lens for concerts. I went out and found a good flash. All of that. But also, I have a Holga 120N that I just kind of impulsively bought. Because well, I don't have a medium format camera yet, do eh, do I? Words are hard. <laughs> I don't have a medium format camera yet. Might as well give the you know, give the film type a shot. Um the camera's horrible. And I've actually gutted it and turned it into a pinhole camera now, which is so much fun. But um, like I just kind of bought it on impulse because like, well, it sounds like a fun format, and now I shoot almost as much medium format as I do 35mm. You know, so like there's there's very much two ends of that there. If it's for my for my job, I will spare no expense. If it's just for me to have fun with. I've been known to overspend for something cool, but I usually try to keep it about where the market says, which is still arguably far too much for cameras that, you know, are years, decades obsolete at this point.
0: Oh yeah, no, definitely. Welcome to the age.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, it's like my oldest camera is, I want to say my 48 Zeiss icon. I want to say my newest is probably, I very recently picked up a Pentax 110 pocket camera from, according to the serial number, the 90s maybe? Oh no, I've also got the uh, Pentax A3000 that's from um, 2001, so I think that's actually my newest camera. Huh. You know, so it's not all vintage antique, but a lot of it is, and unfortunately, oh, it's old, it must be worth something, and then eBay just gets flooded.
0: Well, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But I, mean, I mean, I've found good deals. You know, I've I've found very good deals on things before, but a lot of that has been like brick and mortar antique shops that don't want to bother testing so they just sell it cheaper untested.
0: Oh, know? absolutely. Yeah. It's like the brick and mortar antique shops that are the equivalent of a garage sale if you mixed it with the DI. Yeah. Like <laughs> like my girlfriend, I swear to God, she's bought in dresses that That's actually where I
1: found bag. the Pentax with the DI.
0: Oh, yeah, no that 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 kind of checks out actually. That makes sense. Also, I'm yeah. now realizing um I, I I don't know if this is true, but I think it I think a di might be specific to Utah, uh, Utah and Idaho. Utah and Idaho, yes. Yeah, so it right
1: basically, it's the Mormon run, um, goodwill.
0: Yeah, essentially, I was gonna say yeah, to any of my homies who are outside of these two states, because one of you is definitely in Canada, because I know you're gonna listen to this. Um, the <laughs> di is effectively yeah, just a goodwill. It's basically just like a thrift thrift uh what a thrift store be
1: the official what is a thrift store (laughs) maybe not (laughs) a thrift store is goodwill as far as i'm concerned
0: yeah so good enough like literally my i think my girlfriend's bought in like a dress or like a something like a dress or something that was probably over a hundred dollars maybe over 200 maybe even over 300 and she got it for
1: like (laughs) like 10 bucks if that i don't know i found a 40 dollar dress for three bucks at goodwill once yeah exactly
0: like it's obviously that's not as crazy crazy because i might be
1: exaggerating but yeah, I mean, like you do, and this is this is advice for anybody wanting to buy a camera. If you're going thrifting. Look everything up, like diligently look everything up, right? Like you'll find a camera that, you know, it looks, you know, it's nice and cute and small and it'll say right on the front Kodak Instamatic X15. And you're like, well, I reckon I kind of recognize Kodak, assuming at this point, you know, you're getting into photography and, you know, did some research beforehand. Well, I know Kodak; they're good. Don't buy that immediately because the X15F shoots a, I believe it's a 136 cartridge, which has not been produced since the 80s. So you're going to need to go out and buy an adapter and a dark bag, and you're going to have to hand roll all of that. Whereas you could have looked two feet down the shelf and seen, you know, it looks all crummy and beat up, but it shoots 35 millimeter film. And if you know what you're looking for and can test that it, it works. Just go for that because you're not going to be able to shoot the Kodak. That said, do avoid anything that says like on the front optical lens. Like, yes, that is how light works. That is you. what a lens is. Thank you. Yeah. Like there's, there's a, and honestly, I say this with a Holga staring me in the face as we speak right now. There's a type of camera that we in the community call trash cams, right? Some people call them plastic cams, <laughs> but they're like those very cheap. You know, they're usually a rangefinder, meaning it's got like a separate glass window that you see through, and then the lens is a completely separate and isolated from that. They're usually that. More often than not, they're made of plastic, you know, very creaky build. You know, like it doesn't have like foot focusing. It'll have like mountain, farther away mountain, four people, one people, leaf, you know, like and that's not to say there aren't cameras out there that are good that have those. But also those cameras are like Yashikas that are like metal bodied from like the 80s. You know, coupled rangefinder. You can tell it's a good camera. You know, it's not going to like creak and crackle when you like, you know, lightly shake it a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Always avoid anything. The easiest to tell is if it says optical lens on the front. They're trying to scam you. Because they... Yeah, they fit like it sounds just camera sciencey enough that the layman in like the 80s and 90s when these were coming out that doesn't know jack all about photography, it sounds just sciencey enough that they're like, well, that must mean something good. They used a $10 word on the front. But also, every lens is optical. Like, even down to the origins of photography, camera obscura, pinhole photography. That is still optical because that is how light works. All a camera is, is a highly focused light cannon.
0: Now, if they started like marketing cameras as highly focused light cannons, they probably get more people into it because that shit is. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. That, that's, that's, what
1: I, that's what I always tell people when they ask me to, like, very bare bones quick rundown is basically I put this photosensitive, I put this plastic coated in photosensitive silver in the back. I wind it forward a certain amount. And then this glass barrel is like the barrel of a cannon. It's just shooting in reverse. You know, like all of that light is coming in, getting focused, um, minimized down onto that one little two by three rectangle and hooking that photosensitive silver. From there, you put it in some chemicals to make that photosensitive silver not photosensitive anymore. Wash away all the stuff that didn't get burned and you have a negative. Like, bare bones, that's what photography is. But no, cameras are just like cannons. It's so cool. And nobody talks about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't even got shit to say, man.
1: What? (laughs) It's it's a lot. No, cameras, that is probably the worst part of getting into this. That was all of, like, the research and understanding that you need to actually produce good photos. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's... It's a very fun journey, though. It is a very fun journey. Yeah, but I
0: can also imagine how intimidating that would be if you're a person who's trying to get into photography. And even as a person trying to get into a photography and you would like know that there are things that you need to know, but not knowing what you need to know and not knowing if you know enough.
1: Yeah. Being like, no, trust something you, I'm missing you, here. I, I do, you know, and I, I say once you start figuring stuff out, it's easy. That might just be how my brain works. That might just be the autism talking. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) but um, who knows? It's
0: very possible.
1: It does as you start to understand, like, like how shutter speeds work, right? On my Canon right now, in my hand, there's a little dial up top that has, like, in a circle in order 1,500, 250, 125, blah, 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 down in halves, right? That is fractions of a second that the shutter is open. Once you kind of start to understand how shutter speed will affect f-stop, which is adjusted on the lens, that's how wide or close the aperture is, letting more or less light in. Once you realize how those work together, it becomes a lot easier to understand.
0: I mean, yeah, it, right. it, it's kind of just like if you're getting into something, you see you see a sentence that would be common within that that environment or within that scene, and you're like, I don't know what any of these words mean. You learn one. And then context clues with that one word helps you figure out the next one. Oh, word yeah. Most of put
1: together and then you're like, all right, now it makes sense. Most of my learning about film came from um, yeah, I want to say just one source and that is Analog Resurgence over on YouTube. Evan's got a million really good videos on this kind of stuff. If anybody is looking to get into film anything, look like check out Evan's YouTube because like he has been doing this for years documented everything about it talks about like as he's he's got a series where he just talks about like can you even still use this camera that I just found you know and there'll be like four other videos from like 15 years ago when film was still readily available for it you know showing like how fun it is to shoot and you know oh here's what the photos look like and then his from like two years ago saying like yeah They stopped making that film thirteen years ago, and there's no viable substitute. You can't use this camera anymore. Sorry, please don't buy this. Don't get scammed. Yeah, like for the best interest of the people watching. Yeah, he's he's very much, and I I will try to be the same way. Like, if I I have a lot of people that will ask me, just like DM me on Instagram, just because they know like I do a lot of work with film, they'll ask me like, "Hey, is this camera that I found in my dad's attic any good?" and you know, it always kind of sucks to tell them no. Kodak hasn't made an instant film since they got sued by Polaroid. But at the same time, those people are also like, okay, cool. What would be a cool alternative to this? And you know, nudging people into that right direction and bringing more people into the hobby is always really cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Especially because people will just like. like people are, are kind of in the age of finding stuff that are that's very old, and just yeah. Just, I mean, like, dude, how many?
1: Think about it, though. Like how many old and this is going to sound morbid as hell i apologize profusely in advance like how how many old people are now like dying and needing to have their kids and grandkids liquidate their estate how much of this like old audio visual equipment has been shoved up in a box in a closet that nobody's even thought about in 20 years how much of that stuff is now being found and how many people out there actually have information on it and that's why i did so much research and know so much. And so I can help people figure out what does what and why.
0: Yeah. And the good news is that because there are people who do what exactly what you do, but on a larger scale to a larger amount of people, it means that there will oh, be more yeah. people who will end up in your position who can kind of continue the legacy of helping people understand a specific niche and trying to get into it as best as they can, or just figuring out what the appropriate course of action is to take with an old camera, with an old printer an old, like a, I don't know, like a gun. Or something, like, what
1: are some old things people would find up in their houses? Oh, uh, they should... Oh, fucking... But no, like, I, it's, it's documentarianism. This all circles back to documentarianism. Damn it, you got me! I got gotcha. you. You pulled, on ya. you pulled the sneaky on you. You pulled the sneaky on me. It does, it does all kind of circle back to documentarianism. That's just, like, how fulfilling that actually is. You know? Not to... Yeah. Not to, you know, now inflate my own, ego, you know? <laughs> like, it's, you know, I don't want to come off as self-righteous, but it really is nice knowing that if anybody needs help, I'm there to, you know, like answer questions.
0: Yeah. I don't know if that's self-righteousness. And I think I that's just good. like, I, I wish like, to be, I wish to be a utility to the public or the public in so far as it extends around yeah. my relative groups. Yeah. But, uh. Yeah, if, if we if we if we step away from being very philosophical for a second, I kind of just want to hear more about like at least a semi in-depth like process that you go through when it comes to like spe- like doing photography for documented events.
1: So, all right, Um, with that, we'll just we're going to use a concert as an example. You know, um. Typically, I will either go to the concert just because I'm free that night and have nothing going on, or because it is a band I like or am friends with. Um, Good examples all around here. Um, If you're ever in Salt Lake City and get a chance to see, like, Lich, Gonk, PS Destroy This, Lovelace, um, Portraits, Ribbons, lots of bands that, you know, i hang out with i am friends with i have seen their shows a ton of times tainted ink are another really good one i love those guys if you're into like old school thrash metal they're great but i'll I'll typically plan out like okay i'm going to this show sweet let's run a pre-packed checklist like two days before make sure i've got everything squared off ready to go um make sure i've got my camera make sure my lenses are all cleaned make sure the mirror is clean Make sure it's shuttering correctly. If I need to pick up a new battery for my camera, I will do that. Um, I'll test my flash once or twice, make sure that's working. Pop that into the bag as well. And I will go to either if I if it's months out and I can wait for it to ship, I'll go to B Photo just because they are cheaper to get the film that I use. Um, for concerts, I shoot on Cinestill 800T. Um, it's an old movie film stock that once you remove the remjet layer, which is kind of what gives cinema film. There's no other way to describe it than cinema film look. They rinse out the remjet layer and it sits roughly around 800 ISO. So you just meter it for 800. Um, if I can wait from B and H to get it shipped, I'll do that because it's cheaper. If not, I will go to a shop, a store called sorry, a store called Picture Line out in Salt Lake City. They always have the stuff. Pick up however many cans I'm going to need. Typically, a can of film is and with Cinestill, it's this as well. Uh, 36 exposures per can so you get 36 photos that's it if there are like four bands on the bill i'll usually pick up two cans give them 18 photos a piece you know if a band is paying me they get all 36 just because they gave me money i'm now here to work as opposed to just be
0: here you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's there's
1: a, there's a line that i unfortunately have to draw there sometimes you know but I'll, I'll pick up the film i'll get that all ready um, showing up if it's a bright enough venue. Like if it's daytime, I recently did a show at a skate park for a band called mid. Um, that's my buddy Hunter's band, by the way, I was talking about him earlier, the other <laughs> documentarian, but um, he took me up to a skate park in park city and it was like bright day. Like show started at three in the afternoon. Sun is out. So I would actually walk around and do what's called metering, which is basically you see how much light there is and either your camera or a little handheld thingy will tell you, here's the exact combinations of shutter speed and f-stop you're going to need to get a well-exposed photo. Um, f-stop is kind of weird for me, because a lot of what I do is indoors, so it's dark. That is how tightly closed the aperture blades are, allowing more or less light in. The more open it is, the less the background is going to be focused, and vice versa, the more closed in it is, the more the background's going to be in focus. For flash, I usually just keep my... I'll actually put a little piece of tape on it so I don't accidentally bump it. But I'll keep the aperture ring set at 8 with the flash. If I'm outside, I'll go around and I'll meter beforehand and I'll kind of just remember, okay, this spot needs, you know, F5.6 at 125th, but this spot needs F8 at 160, you know. And I'll, I'll figure out exactly what everything needs to be so I can just run to the spot, fire, set everything, fire the shot, run to the next spot, set everything, fire the shot. From there, you know, warn the band in advance. Hey, I use a flash. You're going to go blind. I'm sorry. Please, you know, don't kick me. Is it okay if I get up in your face? The usual, like, hey, I'm your photographer tonight kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Once the show is done, you know, I chat with the band, grab a line of contact just to make sure I can get them their photos, get them nice and high res. I take it home and I actually develop everything on my own just because it does give me more fine-tuned control, especially with my shooting style being um flash and slightly pushing it with the aperture a bit more closed than it needs to be i like to overdevelop about 15 seconds for concert film you know and i can't tell lab hey develop this about 15 seconds longer and expect them to do that 100% every time yeah you're like i don't you know, especially since for concert- well for concert it's not that they don't want to do all that it's that film is having a bit of a resurgence and they have a lot of stuff going on that's a very easy note to miss oh yeah no, exactly you know it is It's, I I would never blame the lab and call my lab lazy for that that kind of thing. I would blame human error and there's a lot of stuff going on and it's easy to miss a note. That's fine. I can't have that happening. i will develop everything that night. Like I will, you know, chat with the bands and everything, go home, immediately unpack, get all of my chemistry heated up and ready to go, and just do it in the bathroom. Phrasing, please, nobody clip that out of context. But I'm the only I'll, one who clips this podcast. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'll, I'll you know develop all the film, hang it out to dry. If I can, if I can, the next morning it is immediately rolled up, bagged, and taken to the lab and put on a rush order scan. Um, that's where they take the negatives, scan them into a computer, invert them, mild color correction. But I do most of that work myself later in Adobe Lightroom, and then they email it back to you, and I can go pick up the film at a later date once i've got all that i spend give or take about an hour to two hours a band quickly editing just to get everything kind of presentable to the point where i'd like it yeah talk to the bands like hey here's a few of the photos i took you know do you want these i can you know do you want me to edit them a bit more sometimes the bands will say hey if we pay you can you like full edit these and can we use them in our album liners you know so i'll do i'll do that kind of stuff if it's a show that I'm shooting for free, usually I will fully edit the photos anyways, just because I've already got them and I'm spending that time anyways. It doesn't take much longer. Yeah. But I mean, if it's one I've paid for, I'll do the preliminary edit, send off, you know, one or two sample photos, wait for the rest of the payment, fully edit everything else and send them that full batch of the raw scan, the preliminary edit and the full edit to use as they wish. Cause I know some bands do have their own editor. And like to have that other avenue open. Like, hey, we really like your edit and we're going to use this for promotional material, but we want the one in the album liner to have, you know, to more fit a printing profile for the album liner. So we're going to send that to our editor. And once it's their photo, it's their photo. I don't, you know, go collecting royalties or anything off that. You know, she's you you know, like, whatever they've you get at the time. Me, well, they've, they've paid me for showing up. The film, the development, the scans, the editing, and also just my level of skill as a photographer. I feel even with residuals, I make what I feel I should be making off that initial contract. So I don't bother with residuals and this, that, and the other thing. It's yeah. just.
0: It's also like clung. they're they're effectively paying another professional to do whatever is left that they need to do specifically for them. So, you know. Yeah. Duh. Like
1: that's, <laughs> you know, that's their thing. Like, yeah, cool. I get that I you know I don't I edit photos to make them look nice to me unless the artist gives me a specific Adobe Lightroom profile to put on everything and tweak later I just edit to what looks nice to me that might not be what looks nice for the artist I get that you know I'm not gonna hold that against them why would I it's their photos yeah if they want it they want it if they don't they don't that's just how it goes exactly you know I mean they paid me already what Like this interaction has happened from there. It's their stuff. They have full licensing and full editing rights to it. I'm not going to (laughs) say. Exactly. You know, and that's just my mentality. I know there are some photographers in the world, you know, not in the scene that I know of, but some photographers out there that will get pissy if you ask for the raws so you can send them to their editor. You know, it's I never understood it. You know, like yes, take pride in your work, but at a certain point you gotta realize there is a separation between what you as the artist think is pristine and what the client actually wants. Yeah. And
0: you know, you're not gonna do everything right the first time, even if it's right to you. Yeah. It's like that they're different tastes.
1: Go and do your yeah, own no, thing exactly. with your own
0: stuff that you've made. Like
1: it's very much artist's choice. You know, it's I, I do firmly believe in artist agency. You know, as an artist myself letting the artists do what they want with what they have. You know, that's, that's kind of always been going into this. Like that's been very much fundamental to like alternative punk metal hardcore from the roots of it was we want agency. We want to be able to do what we want to do without being told a thousand reasons why we shouldn't or can't. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very much that mentality carrying over, I think.
0: Yeah, no, I mean it's all. That's that's to be expected. It's like I don't need people who don't know what I'm doing telling me what to do. And it's exactly. like it's, it's like anybody who's trying to anybody who's trying to aggressively tell you why you shouldn't do something or how to do something are are the people who are the least worth listening to because you know that they're not making a good yeah. faith argument. No, they to try must and help be. You.
1: They must be just the happiest person in the world at home. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's. I don't know. That was that was harsh. I think. Yes. Well, it's like
0: how much of a how much of a dickhead would I be if because I've made it very obvious over the fifty-five almost fifty-five minutes we've been here that I don't know anything about photography. There's like a Twitch streamer that I watch that does photography stuff uh, or like used to on a second channel that he would that he would run. And so, like the only thing I I understand camera terms, but I don't even know what them they mean. So imagine how much of a dick I would be. If, like, I started going into, especially, like, I mean, this is a slightly different case, but imagine if I started, like, going into your Instagram posts and I was like, you might need, like, I don't even, just, like, saying some shit. just
1: it's, a chilling like, like, situation level. And, like, basically <laughs> like, like, photographers will ask other photographers, like, hey, can I re-edit this photo? Just, like, I have an idea of what might look cool and I want to test that theory. Yeah, Like, I've seen other people, I've been asked, like, hey, can I see the raw for that? I have an, a, an edit idea that I think would be really cool, and I just want to try it out to see if I can start applying that to my photography. Yeah. And I am always down to let other people guinea pig my shit, right? It's when they tell like, you like that you need to, to, to do
0: something differently. It's like, you are not Yeah, asshole. but
1: it's like when they say, well, I'm going to edit this for you the way you should have edited it, that I've gotten one DM like that. <laughs> where they're like, they started off like with the whole, hey, can I edit it? I think I've got a really cool idea. And I was like, yeah, sure, man, here you go. You know, let me see how it turns out. And then when they sent it back, they said, there, I fixed it, smiley face. Instantly blocked. Oh, yeah, like,
0: no, fuck you. It's
1: like, there, yeah, get out. There is very much, there is very much a separation of like, hey, this is cool. Can I try this out and see if I can use it in my stuff? And hey, you did your job that you were paid to do in your style role. Yeah. You know, that's like, that would be like, Somebody telling Freddie Mercury, "Hey, you're singing Bohemian Rhapsody wrong." You know, yeah. like it's he made the damn song. There's a certain point where this becomes utterly senile. Yeah, I mean, and what
0: and what you're referring to in terms of people being like, "Hey, I want to I want to give this a shot and just kind of see what this would look like if I was to do it this way because I think it might be cool." You're basically you're describing the photographer photographer version of a remix of a song. Like exactly, that's all it is. Exactly, <laughs> that's all it is.
1: it's just that's a remix. <laughs> Yeah. Another one. It's a remix. But yeah. you know, it's it's one of those things like you know, like I, I don't care if other if the artist that I photographed goes off and has another editor do their editing. Cause there's somebody out there where I am a photographer and editor, there's someone out there who's just an editor.
0: Yeah. And they
1: get paid as much to just edit the photos as I do to take them. Like, that's their job. I'm not going to stop them. I'm not going to get mad.
0: Yeah, it's like, yeah, because you've already you've already served your own purpose. And you've even already served their purpose by by being able to provide that for them. So now they're going to go do the other part of what is effectively their business. Like,
1: yeah, if I'm helping the other person, they wouldn't
0: be doing that. that. (laughs) I mean, to some degree, yeah, kind of. I mean, to some degree, but not as douchily as I said it. Yeah, you know, the the point. point I I, I do
1: see it as more of a a collaborative effort in that capacity. Yeah, exactly. It's like photos
0: taken by this, edited by this, for this group and whatever, and you do all that stuff. I mean,
1: you you see that kind of stuff in lyric liners when you buy like a record or a CD. You see that stuff. Like if you flip to the back where all the credits are all the time, promotional photos by insert name here photos edited by insert completely different name here because they're it's it's specialized what i do is specialized what the editor does is specialized what the publicist does is specialized what the printer does like there's so many factors that go into it
0: but it's all at the still end of the necessary day, to get the job to, done
1: yeah at the end of the day you kind of just need to accept that sure you took the photos and you might be very proud of those photos and those edits but you are part of a machine here and that does need to function for the people that paid you to be able to then come back and pay you more later when that album blows up and goes platinum and they want you to do their press tour.
0: Yeah. And if anything, it's like, it's like, it's like you got, you got this opportunity to do something, especially something you probably enjoyed. Now you should also be be happy at the fact that it's gone
1: somewhere. Yeah. And maybe, maybe it's just because I enjoy What I do, but I do honestly see my contracts that I take for shows as a privilege more than anything because, like, they're getting me into the show for free. Like, I don't know if you're aware of the band Tsunami at all. Um, really big hardcore band, like, sold out the beehive. Jesus Christ. And I was able to get into that. Yeah. I was able to get into that show as a plus one with a friend as a photographer. Like, they only, like, the beehive was like hey we'd kind of like more photographers your plus one dropped out of this do you know any photographers that might show up and he was just like yeah let me call up robin really quick like you got two hours grab your camera you're going to tsunami you know and i was like cool and i show up as a photographer (laughs) you know like all the guys from tsunami went through they loved the photos right like they've there's bands that I am friends with now that are like bands I look up to that. I'm just passively friends with now because they decided to take a chance and hire me to take a few photos for that. You know, like it's, it's not like work to me at that point. It is very much a privilege. And I just kind of have to do this instead of paying 20 bucks at the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And look at where that is. I has will you. still gladly pay me 20 bucks at the door. I will still gladly pay the twenty bucks at the door. Support local artists. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Like support local artists, always buy the touring bands merch Because if they're on tour, they do not have money. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. There, oh Jesus Christ. There are people who have traveled like on the verge of cross country just to So I have a friend who was playing in a band with some other bands, um, and then somehow the coffee shop that they were playing at like canceled because they double booked. And so for some reason, they canceled the first people they booked instead. And so the concert had to be held literally in the guy's apartment that was like down the fucking street from the coffee shop. And the people who showed up there were like, yeah, we had to travel cross
1: country to get here. And it's like, what? It's so, it's, (laughs) touring bands always get stiff. No, venues also do move a lot. There was actually a show that was supposed to be behind a soda shop in um south Jordan, recently uh shout out soda bubba love you guys all the pre-shows you guys put on are <laughs> absolutely amazing every time but um it was supposed to be held back there they were they didn't have enough staff to maintain it so it got moved up to a park in midvale and then the amphitheater like the little mini amphitheater they had set up didn't have power but on some off chance this random standing like miniature signboard had a full power setup on the back of it that had working outlets. So then we had to move the show down there and do it in the grass. It was this whole thing like venues move, but also stiffing the touring band is low. Yeah. Pretty
0: disrespectful.
1: Like this was all local artists. This is all artists from like, you know, Salt Lake Riverton, um, Harriman. Oh God. Where is Marine Corps from? I don't actually know. But I'm going to assume within probably like like a 20 to 30 mile radius of that area. Yeah, like it's there within the area. They're not, you know, four states over coming here thinking they're going to be playing this big venue. And then suddenly they're sitting in the grass playing to like eight people. You know, it's local artists. There's, There's a difference between that happening and, hey, we've got this band coming in from Detroit. By the way, you're not playing our venue. You're actually playing some dingy basement three miles from our venue. Right. It's like, it's that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. No, definitely.
1: That's it. Basement shows go off. Basement <laughs> shows are fun. <laughs> I've only been in
0: like a third story up venue. Or I guess uh, so, I should say.
1: Topics. Yeah. I don't know. That no. sh- that show sh- was pretty weird. What about the Depot? <sighs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm trying to remember which one has multiple flights of stairs to get to the stage. Because where I saw Amel and the Snippers. So I want to say it was the Depot. Uh, I I have not a damn clue. <laughs> yeah, but um, I I go to way too many concerts. It's that's what brings me to it. That's I'm important. Here anyways, but I like taking photos. You know, I'm I'm going to all these concerts. I like taking photos. That's another reason why I kind of started picking up the cameras. Like I'm here. Yeah, exactly. But
0: um, oh shit! I just punched my mic by accident.
1: Um so we kind of yeah, i we're gonna have the mic punch and then my squeaky chair just permeating the whole recording <laughs> i don't think
0: discord's pretty good at, at cans and this kind of stuff out so it's, uh, there's no chair squeak yeah, thankfully thankfully yeah, shout out discord for being uh pretty good at that but uh so we, we we went over your general photography process as well as a lot of other things that are involved the with it but uh, what, of, what about, like, your interviewing process, like, with the, the bands that you've interviewed? Like, how do you go from the initial point of interest in this band to being like, yeah, let me go talk to them, and then ending up at whatever the finished
1: product might be? So, my my interviews so far have been with bands that I'm already kind of friends with.
0: Yeah, you gotta start Uh-oh. somewhere.
1: But a lot of it is, you gotta start somewhere. And when you go to as many shows as I do, it makes a lot. i was just random friends and random bands. Yeah. But, um, no, it's, it's one of those things where you like, you kind of show up, you watch the show, you chat with the band and and, and now I reach out beforehand, like, Hey, after your guys is set, can I do a quick interview with you guys? I'm working on a project right now, you know? And and normally they're fine with it, you know, but you just got to ask like, Hey, can I interview you guys really quick? You know, just like get a few statements from the band, maybe talk about gear, what your guys' favorite song, your favorite lyric that you guys have wrote is like, what got you together as a band? Um, one of my favorite go-tos is always is when you see a guitarist that has more than three pedals that aren't a tuner, always ask them about their signal chain. They will just talk for like They'll talk about their signal <laughs> chain. Like I talk about, I can't, wait. it's hilarious. <laughs> like as a guitarist, I would also probably do that. Let's be real. Yeah. But, uh, no, they'll just, they'll just go off about it. And you can just like, I've, I've got a little like mini dictation machine that takes like, tiny micro cassettes and i'll just like hold it there and they'll just go and go and i'll stop it like halfway through and they'll keep going for like 10 minutes without knowing the thing is it's hilarious. but um no i usually ask about like pedal boards instruments the, the kind of stuff you would see if like howard stern was interviewing a musician you know like talking about like the process of it all that kind of stuff um, from there, I just listen back to the tape with headphones and type it in, in a um, Google Doc on my computer. <laughs> yeah. just, to, just to save it and have it somewhere for when I actually do need it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but good. no, that's, that's basically all it is. It's just candid conversations about the art with the artist. Yeah, that's
0: fair. Yeah, I guess Which that's,
1: I found a lot of artists like talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess that is generally the best way to go about it because there's like so there's mediums that exist. This is this is going to be a weird way to get to this to this whole end point. So there was a guy I talked to a couple of weeks ago who was basically talking about the fact that, like, you know, especially when you're talking to somebody who makes a living or makes substantial content on the Internet surrounding one thing. There's only so much you can talk to them about that one thing about that they haven't already talked to other people about. So the benefit that I get is I get to talk to these people about the history of how they got there, the mindset that they have when they create the content that they make and just generally trying to examine who the person is rather than what they do to figure out how they got to, you know, making those things. And that's kind of like a thing that I think makes me different from other places like that. So there's mediums that exist like that of like trying to examine exactly what the artist like, who this artist is, what they do outside of what they're most colloquially known for, kind of little anecdotes and stories about the people that other people don't know about them. So, like, this guy, for example, that I'm talking to, he's part of a of a magazine company that has 1.2 million subscribers on YouTube. He has 55,000 subscribers on YouTube, and he runs a Twitch channel that has, like, 25 to 30,000 followers on it and whatever. And and me and him are talking and he's like, well, uh, I'm into voice and like I also know that he's a voice actor. And he was like, well, how I got into voice acting is I used to work in retail, but retail bores the hell out of me. So I worked in the back stock talking to the fucking limes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of thing. Um, And I think I actually have a clip on my TikTok of that specifically him talking about that because it's funny. So it's like I have the benefit of being able to do that. And you have the benefit of being able to just kind of get in depth with people talking about the art that people know them for but trying to talk about more stuff about the art that other people wouldn't know about. Like the inspiration yeah, like, of I, lyrics I, and
1: whatnot. Yeah, yeah, and I mean a lot of that does stem from me as a musician and lyricist myself like I do like to talk about like hey so like what what do you think is your favorite li- like specific lyric that you wrote? You know, yeah. or that you've written before. Because like I that's a question that I have to think about. And I'm the one that's always asking it. And when anybody asks me, I still have to think about it, kind of figure it out. Because <laughs> there's there's very much an inherent connection to your own music. You know, that's the same reason, like, I'll ask guitar and bass players, you know, like, hey, what's your favorite of your guys' riffs to just play mindlessly? You know, like, I, I have a very nasty habit, I've noticed. I will loop the bass line. For like Five Finger Discount by um, Choking Victim or The Press Corpse by Anti Flag. When I am like thinking and just holding a bass, I'll just play those bass lines because they keep my hands going. And when they're distracted, my brain can think. Yeah. So I'll, I'll ask the artists, like, hey, do you have any, any like riff or bass line or, you know, like harmony part that you like to just kind of do while you're thinking or that you just like to play in general? You know, like, I'll ask the drummer what their favorite fill is, or, like, you know, I'll, I'll do some slight gear interviews as well, like, if their guitar is interesting, you know, and kind of weird-looking. You know, like, say, so, hey, what's what's with all these stickers? Or, hey, is that, you know, the original pickups? Or, like, hey, drummer, why are there paintball stains all over your kick drum? Like, <laughs> did you do that on purpose? <laughs> find it, like, that? what's the story there? And I, I do like to try to take a more personal approach than just to, like, What's your guys' biggest song? It's like, well, it's their why biggest, do you they know biggest So popular, right? Like, you get sick of talking about your favorite song. You know, if it's every interview, but like, hey, what's your favorite song that you've played? You know, like, you don't want to talk about the song that you always have to play. You want to talk about the one that gets in, like, every second or third show that you really love, but that maybe a lot of the audience just doesn't have as good a reaction to, so you don't play it as well yeah you know like a really good example of this one of my favorite rant songs like like ever period bar none is psychic and they played that at punk rock bowling year and i absolutely lost it because they never (laughs) never played it you know with dropkick murphy's when i saw them at punk rock bowling they played citizen cia and i lost it because they never play citizen cia and i just I wish I could talk to those bands, those big, massive, headliner, hero bands that I've always looked up to my whole life and, like, just ask them, you've got such a discography, what is your favorite song to play? Why, you know, why is this song so rare in the set list? Or what makes you guys never do this one live? You know, or, like, why did you only start playing this song from 20 years ago recently? Yeah. You know, those are are conversations I want to have, and there are some, you know, more established, longer running bands in my scene, you know, an insult like that never really got big just by nature of what they're playing, that I can ask those questions too, you know? And that's always a really interesting conversation to have. Oh yeah, no, definitely. But then at the same time, you've got these bands that have been around for two or three years that have their favorite song, you know, that they, you know, it just doesn't fit anywhere on the set list or it breaks the tempo or just the audience doesn't like it for some reason but they have their favorite song and they're always still so excited to talk about.
0: It. Yeah, no, I, I totally get what that. It, it Cause it's, it it really is just like, especially if, if you have an emotional connection with at least a handful of songs from a band, you get to kind of, um, I can't even really think of a word for it, but it's just like, you get to, you get to have some kind of satisfaction knowing that you get to understand a little bit more personally about the band and that they were willing and excited to have that kind of conversation with you. And it kind of changes the way that you think about the band, Um, but I do, I do have exactly one contention with what you said, and it's not even that big of a deal. Um, I really, I, I really love asking people why they think that X, Y, and Z is super popular. Like, I don't really like to examine a lot of super popular things, but I do love examining from the person's perspective, why they might think that it's their most popular. Because a lot of times you can't really, you don't, you wouldn't really know, like, the guy that I was talking about earlier, the voice actor, YouTube content creator, this guy, I'm like, why do you think so many people just enjoy the content that you make? And one of the primary reasons that people like his content is because his voice is so freaking nice. Like he has a really good voice, a very good character voice, and he just sounds good. Uh, But then that whole thing kind of devolved into, or I guess evolved into a conversation I was, I had with him where I was talking about the fact that the way that he speaks and like, there's there's just a way that he speaks and the way that I said it was like the way that you write is a way that I tried writing for in videos that I did and then realized that I couldn't do it because I'm bad at it which is where I realized he doesn't write anything down for the videos he makes he doesn't have a script he just fucking talks so that's like that's, that's
1: impressive
0: yeah that's what I'm saying dude he's like he's like the good news is that the people at my team they're really good writers and I've managed to make my style of writing, which is not at all meld with their style of writing, which is all the time. Um, but I'm like, I'm like, that explains why I can't accomplish it because I don't write stuff down. But what I have noticed is that when I don't write things down and I kind of just talk, like the opener for the episode, I wouldn't have been able to, to hit, that same, hit that same note on making the, the low-hanging fruit of the Utah joke where people think they're original by replacing the I in their kids' names with a Y when they're growing up or whatever. You know, but ultimately, like as much as I don't like talking about the most popular thing that a person does, I do really quite enjoy examining the why of like some some sort of why question surrounding it to just try and get a read on what the other person thinks could be the root cause of this being their most popular form of media or their most popular song, most popular video or whatever. Um, But that's also probably just because why is like my favorite question in general. (laughs) Now, see, that's not an
1: angle I ever approached. That's interesting. (laughs) You do, you actually make a very fair point there. I, I, I might, I might need to bring that question back then, (laughs) but I mean, that is interesting. You you make a fair point. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I mean, I think, I think there's, there,
0: there, there could be times where it could go wrong. And I think, I think if you're jumping from what is your most popular song, like, shut the hell up, idiot, to why do you think it's like, I can understand how that could be perceived as just like, you're just asking them questions to ask them questions. You didn't really put a whole lot of thought into this, but that's, that's just coming from my perspective because I really just love like, cause I think when you ask why for things, it gives you more information than what I think you you could possibly prepare for. Cause it just gives you, it gives you context about the person. It gives you context about the situation. It gives you context about their history. It gives you context about anything and and it's certainly it certainly lends itself to a lot more creative answers from the people you're interviewing than just a who who when what or where, I guess so might not it might you, not be a bad idea to bring it back
1: bring the question back <laughs> you, that is yeah, that tracks that tracks
0: <laughs> so but no i I, yeah. I once again, I will still fully. I will still fully agree with like getting getting into more of those. I wouldn't really call them deep cut questions, but getting into just more of those questions that you think a lot of people aren't asking is such a fun time.
1: Yeah, I've, I've very much noticed like I, I try to keep a very personal approach when talking to other artists because you know, I've noticed a lot of people will just like especially when the artists get bigger as well, but they won't treat them like a person anymore. Oh, yeah, no. You know, like, I see this in... It's most predominantly in pop subcultures. But, you know, like, Ariana Grande isn't a person anymore to these people. She is just those songs. She's a concept. And at a certain point, I feel like that's why so many musicians, like, quit burnout. You know, is that they're a person and want to be seen as that. And once you hit a certain point... Of, like, disconnect with your audience, you're not really, they don't see you as a person anymore. That's why I like to be, like, so personal with bands because, like, yeah, they're people, they're, you know, doing what I do, and they might be making a lot more money off of it than I am, but they're still people. And I wanna ask them questions that I would just ask, like, one of their fans, you know, like, the same way I would ask just, like, somebody at the show if I was having a conversation and they had mentioned that they were there for that band, like, Oh, Hey, yeah. What's, what's your favorite song of theirs? I really like, here's this one. Yeah, exactly. And then we can, you know, talk about that. I want to ask that to the band too, because like, that's a different perspective. Yeah. And I think you know, that's, that's a
0: that's, different that's... perspective. On it. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's also just, that is the value that you bring to those people. Like the value that I bring to the people that I talk about, whether it's ranging from my friends who have no, like, I've talked to my friends about like their trips to various like their trips to countries that they recently went on and whatever. So like my conversations can range from something as small as those where it's basically just interpersonal and more just as a way for me to keep a record of the conversation we had because I like talking with them. You go from that to I mean I have a person on my on my list in a few weeks from now who I mean he he used to be in like you like the top 10 list for some of like the biggest Minecraft YouTubers back in like fucking 2012 or
1: something. Oh, the golden days.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I don't, is that I don't, was oh, that a, I don't know if that was a person or if that was a,
1: like a metaphor. No, it's just times were simpler back then than in 2012. Uh, Minecraft yes. YouTube. Yeah, no. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I,
1: I missed, I missed 2012 Minecraft YouTube. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've seen some very interesting things talking about the fact that it's like the YouTubers haven't changed. Well, they probably have because they've grown up, but it's more just like the times and the circumstances have changed and all that. Um, yeah, but no, the, the, I guess the point that I'm trying to get across is that I can scale from something as small as me just having an interpersonal conversation with my friend to scaling up to something this big. And depending on how that goes, I could scale even larger and I'm still treating them all like the same thing. Like I got complimented once that when I talk to people who are uh, obviously a lot, you know, substantially bigger than me, I don't treat I don't treat it like a fanboy just trying to use this as an excuse to talk to somebody whose content they enjoy. I'm just like you. I'm just like them. I'm just here to have a conversation with them about like what's going
1: on. You know, at the end of the day, if we both reared back and socked each other as hard as we could in the nose right now, we'd both bleed red. Let's be real. Yeah. We're all, like, we're on a level playing field here. Like, why? Like, I will, you know, have fangirly moments with bands that I do like and appreciate and look up to. I'll have fangirly moments. Everyone does. But it's not the whole conversation.
0: Oh, yeah, no. Like, you can have your little spurs and you can, as long as you can, like, address them in, like, a level-headed way. Because, like, I I mean, because I, like, the guy that I keep referencing, he, like... I enjoy his content. I watched a lot of his streams back when he was streaming very consistently. He still does now, but he kind of went on a bit of a hiatus to work on the channel that he works on now, but whatever. He, like, when I was telling him, there was like, there's there are things that I do fanboy over, which is like the way that he talks and like his sense of humor, I think is fucking ace. And I openly told him, I was like, I was like I'll admit this is going to sound like a bit of a fanboy moment, but I tried copying the way that you would write things down and I just can't seem to get it to work, which would, again, it would make sense because you don't write anything down So I think as long as you're able to just tame a lot of the extremism of being a fangirl or a fanboy of of a group, like,
1: they'll let you do it. You just got to be cool. (laughs) You just got to be chill with it. Yeah, Yeah, that is very much a good approach to be taking, just in life, in general. Yeah. but It is nice to know I'm not the only one that thinks that way.
0: I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are cultural similarities between you and I that would cause us to think this way. Although it's more than likely just as a result of the, the, the way that we exist in the world. <laughs> but, uh, we're going on an hour and 20 minutes here. And I actually have, I just, I just, I just have two questions about, uh, the band that you're in actually, just cause I like, I don't go to a lot of local scenes, but I like the potential of being able to go to a local scene or a local band and see what's going on. Um, so, I mean, I guess we can kind of just do a two for here. It's like, um, how did how did the band that you're a part of? How did you guys come to be? I know that you said that you guys were uh, a couple of you guys were kind of like camera nerds and whatnot, and that's kind of what helped you come together to where you are now. But I'm just sort of looking at so like, that yeah.
1: that was actually that was actually my old band. This one, shit, um, <laughs> yeah i've I've been in like four or five bands in the past two years. More than that, if the further you go back, um, projects. And this is just advice for anybody starting a band. Projects will fizzle. That first band that you're in is like, it's got like a 15% shot of making it out of your basement and surviving. The, the test of a good band isn't, we got a gig. It's, we got our 10th gig. Firmly believe that, but no. Um, this yeah. band, um, all of the guys, all of the other guys are from down in like Payson Provo area. The and they fuck? just put up on Instagram. They just put up on Instagram. Hey, we need a bass player. Nobody down here plays bass. And this was right around when my little folk punk folk punk project was dying. And I was like, okay, I need some kind of musical outlet here. I do, I I can't handle this project anymore. That's just not what I want to be doing. But I do love playing bass, and I do love hardcore. I'll, I'll give this a shot. So I reached out, you know, and just said, hey, I play bass. They they'd kind of known me for being around. They'd seen me in the scene, you know. But um, they just they needed a bass player, and I kind of just pulled in on that. Um, my old my original band was just a couple of friends that you know were into the same stuff as I was. We decided to start that. I was in a metalcore project for a bit, um, just because I ran into the guys at oh god, what show was it? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I believe it was. Black Veil Brides, Ice Nine Kills, Motionless and White When we saw all three of them at the Salterre but um, it was just like hey we should start up a little hardcore thing or um, a little metalcore thing and that happened ultimately trying to force a band to exist and I learned this with my first band if you're trying to force a band to exist it's probably not going to go well just because out the gate and running Everybody in that band is going to have a lowered level of interest because they didn't want the band in the first place.
0: Oh, I see. Like if you're, you specifically are trying to, not necessarily if your group yeah. is trying to.
1: Yeah. Like right. if it's if it's all of you together agreeing we should start a band, lock in a practice schedule, start writing more songs, that's great because you're all on the same page. But if it is just if it's just the vocalist. Trying to get the band to work, and like trying to force the other band members to do X, Y, Z just to fit the vocalist's needs, you know. And it's the same. It could be any member. I just use the vocalist because we're egotistical assholes. Um, <laughs> like we are. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Um, like the face of the band is always gonna have a bit of a, a bit of a head on their shoulders. But like, if if it's just one member of the band trying to force the band to happen. It's not gonna go well if it's very clear the chemistry of the band doesn't work in its current state, and you're still trying to make it work. It's not gonna go well. You know, bands are very organic concepts. If that makes any semblance of sense. Well, yeah. They're, you know, they're they need to evolve and mature before they're even released to the public eye before you've got a gig, before you've got stickers and t-shirts and everything, they need to evolve. And then once it's out there, it's going to keep evolving probably much more rapidly. And you need to be ready for that and willing to accept that where you start off might not be where you end. There are some bands out there that have been able to consistently put out, you know, roughly the same material for years. I mean, like, Especially these like old legacy classic rock bands like Kiss. I personally dislike Kiss just because all of their songs are the same song, you know? (laughs) But also, they know what works and they are happy and doing great for themselves. This is not to knock them as musicians. Every member of Kiss is an amazing musician in their own right. I just don't like the band just because I do like bands that evolve and mature themselves. But then you got bands like Ice Nine Kills, you know, who are out on tour with like Slipknot and Black Veil Brides. They started off as a ska band. Oh fuck! God, you know, no, they were playing like they <laughs> no, they're playing like less than Jake covers in like coffee shops, and now they're out here playing like some of the grooviest horrorcore metalcore I've ever. I've seen them twice live. They are so worth seeing, but uh, <laughs> not like. Bands are going to change and evolve, and you need to be ready for that. And if you can't accept that, then honestly, being in a band, unless you can find that group of people that's like Kiss that don't want to evolve the sound too much, except for maybe like a concept album here and there, that are very much happy with playing what waters down to the same idea every time, unless you can find that click and get insanely lucky there, that change is going to sneak up on you. And it might bite you, but don't let it hurt you. You know, be ready for that. Yeah.
0: The only constant it's, it's, is change.
1: The only constant is change.
0: And so. sick riffs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's too. And also, as we've discussed earlier, um, music. Apparently beer, cheese, killing people.
1: The arts. Yeah. Um, and like, don't get me wrong. Beer and <laughs> cheese are great. It's just I don't have access to cows. And brewing your own alcohol in Utah is way too much paperwork. Yeah. But you can, anybody can go to the pawn shop and buy a guitar. Yeah. So I'm going to stick to that one. A lot of them have
0: actually. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So no, that that's all good. And then I guess the, the last thing, which kind of can just segue into the whole last section of this is like, where can people find your band, whether it be on the internet or whether it be in the local area?
1: So for the time being, and I actually forget our Instagram handle, and I'm pulling it up as we speak, (laughs) Um, but we are on Instagram. Um, It's just PCP.Hardcore. The band is called PCP. Depends on who you ask what it means. I personally prescribe to the pursuit of cultural prosperity very much like everybody is on the same playing field. There is no point in treating each other differently we are all fighting the same battles except millionaire except the people that like have all the money the millionaires and billionaires fuck you guys <laughs> right but like the the lower you know like i i say the lower class you know i mean basically everybody but the one percent upper middle yeah everybody from like you know everybody but the one percent we are all the same inherently at the end of the day Now, if you ask anybody else In the band, I don't know what they'll tell you We've all got our own meanings for it That's the funny part so That's the fun part, that's the spice <laughs> That's that's the spice Going back to that conversation From half an hour ago, wow But no, like, that is very much Just like The fun of the band, but no, you can find us on Instagram Um, Eventually, once we do get Doing shows and releasing stuff You can find us on YouTube um, we are in the process of finishing up a couple of songs to possibly release a single, maybe January-ish. Don't quote me on that, though, because we still do not know. But um, if we are playing shows, you're going to catch us with bands, probably like Absolved, Spent, Run Into the Sun. Um, we're hoping to ho- play a lot of places like um, Beehive, that's just tucked behind Mark of the Bistro out in Salt Lake. Um, Kilby Court. Um, maybe your mom's house if we get lucky um, that is an actual venue I'm not being
0: I was about to say I was like that's the fucking straightest face I've ever heard somebody while making a joke like that. no there Damn. is
1: actually a venue called your mom's house I want to say god I want to say it's the guys from NARC it's, it's their place Damn.
0: but um, they've got this little detached got garage in
1: the <laughs> <laughs> yeah no they've they've got this like detached garage in the back of their house out in Salt Lake City And it's, like, probably about the size of an average large bedroom. But it's got, like, these open rafters in the ceilings that they've put, like, trucking tie-downs onto. So just randomly during the show, you'll get, like, these scrawny-ass hardcore kids. They'll walk outside, run through the door full speed, grab the rope, and just Tarzan swing into the pit. It is the funniest thing i've ever seen but um we're probably gonna end up playing there knowing the kind of bands that play there but yeah it's just keep an eye out on the instagram um go follow all the venues i mentioned i don't know if your mom's house has an instagram but i do know beehive and kilby court both have them go follow them just to see what other shows are happening around here because you should always support local artists but no that's kind of where you can keep an eye out for us for the time being um, I will also be posting a lot about the band on my personal Instagram that was mentioned at the very start of this whole mess. <laughs> I
0: was going to say, if there's anything else that you wish to plug, absolutely just plug away. I'll let you continue doing those. The only thing I need is for you to actually send me those Instagram mentions because I'm going to forget a lot of them because I am dumb.
1: Oh yeah. Straight up. We'll do. I would like to plug one fun project to circle back to photography here. Let's go build yourself, a, build yourself a pinhole camera. I'm serious. Do this. It is so much fun. All right. So what you're going to want to do, you're going to want to find a decently large like Amazon box. Find something that can fit a four by five sheet of paper. Right. You're going to cut a small hole, like a small square hole, about an inch by inch square. Right. If you've got the box standing up on its side, so you got it in portrait or landscape, it's your choice. But on the front, directly across from where it can fit that 4 by 5 sheet, you're going to want to cut a small square hole. You're going to take a tin can, like a Coke can or something, or a Pepsi, or a beer if you're cool, but it's Utah, so I doubt it. Um, (laughs) Find the center of that. Cut out a little square that's just a bit bigger than the hole you cut in the shoebox. Cut a square that's a bit bigger than that. Find the center. Take. I personally, for my Holga conversion, used a size 10 quilting needle very very tiny needle this needs to be a very small hole and you're gonna like poke the back of it into an eraser for grip and you're going to put it on the center of that tin can with the sharp point facing down and you're just gonna kind of rotate the um cut out of the can until it pokes a hole through it that is your lens now so I personally would go over it with a black Sharpie as well on both sides, make it completely blacked out just so you don't get any like light refract reflections and leaks. With black electrical tape, and it's very important that you use black electrical tape because any other color will reflect light and screw up the photo. You're going to want to tape that over the hole that you cut in the shoebox. Right? Make sure your actual like pinhole is centered on that hole. But from there, you can go to basically any photo lab or camera store, and most of them carry it. You're going to want to find some kind of four by five sheet film in complete darkness. This is very important. A lot of, like, unless you buy orthographic film and specifically ask for that, you need to be in complete darkness. You can't use that red light that will ruin the film. Common misconception. Orthographic film, though not sensitive to red, means you can do it under red light. In complete darkness, you're going to take one sheet of that film. Tape it to the inside of the box, like, back to, like, across from where the lens is. Close that box. Tape it shut. Make sure zero light can get in and put tape over the pinhole. From there, download a light meter app on your phone. Find an exposure chart. Take a reading. Pull the tape off the pinhole. Leave it open for as long as it needs to be. Put it back on. Take that box to a lab and say, there's a sheet of 4x5 in here. Please develop it. You have now taken a photo with camera obscura.
0: Damn, okay. I don't know what a single word of that meant, but on that note, everybody who stopped by, and by everybody, I mean the people listening. Sorry, I finished this. I um, That's how like, I end my streams, because I'm a fraud. Oh, you're good. Uh, thank y'all for listening to this episode. Um, th- This was probably, okay, here's the thing. I don't know shit about what you were talking about, but I really did love just listening to you talk about it, because it's very clear and incredibly evident to anybody who couldn't tell that this motherfucker is... Probably the most passionate of any person I've talked to so far about the thing that they love to do. And I love that. And that is the entire point of this goddamn podcast. So that's, that's, that's awesome, honestly. like I, I've talked to people who do a lot of cool things. I've talked to people who I can gush over because I know what they're talking about. This is one of the times where I just get to let you take the freaking wheel because I don't know what's happening. And that is a freaking delight. That said, you also being in the local scene makes things pretty easy to understand for me. Not so easy to understand for a lot of other people, and that's fine. Uh, Sorry, other people. (laughs) No, that's not your fault. A lot of what you do revolves around the local scene, so it only makes sense that you revolve around the local scene, and that's obviously reflected in all that stuff. That's fine. That's just the natural thing that we have to deal with, but it's still a good freaking time. got to hear about all of these things, and I don't even know, like... We have things that we do that don't intersect like that, but if somehow they did, I would love to work with you in some caliber cuz you're just like a, a an awesome person to talk with and you you know you really know your shit and that's kind of what
1: I need sometimes. Um I mean, dude, you said you make music? If you ever need a photographer, hit me up. <laughs> well, if you ever play live.
0: No, no, not in that I don't make music like that in that caliber. Sorry, no. I mean like I'm making like like my brand on the internet is making lo-fi related music because um, of a story that I'll explain later. People on here have probably already heard it before, so I'll explain it to you right after. It's just—it's just a silly little thing. Um, so they don't—they don't really mesh like that. But either way, if—if if something ever comes up, I'll be like, "Yes, I know who I'm looking for. I know who I need." <laughs> so that's awesome. Um, You've—you already gave people everything they needed to know. So really, for the people at home, you guys just like really, really, really need to check the description. Um, because I will not allow this, uh, I will not allow this talent and I will not allow this skill to go wasted and unheard of. So go look at the freaking links in the description while you're down there. There's also an obscene amount of links that I will have for the things that I do, which is YouTube related, Spotify related, Apple music related, Twitch related. Um, what else, what else is on there? Uh, the, the, the group that I'm a part of called nothing is anything. We make YouTube videos. We make podcasts. If you want to keep listening to more episodes, of my space. Podcast, on there boy, ain't nobody got in a fucking MySpace in these days. <laughs> what is wrong with you? He said everything. Yeah. It's metaphorically speaking. It's definitely not everything. There's just a lot of links down there. You can go check out yeah. people there. You can go check out people here. Um, but what's ultimately important is you got to go check them out. Right. And So, and so, you know, that's, that's everything. And so uh, I guess I'll, I'll try my best to catch you at a local scene We'll see where it goes from there, man.
1: <laughs> hey, man, I'm Ozzy. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to all of you fine people out there in the depths of the interweb space. And to you as well, my friend.